here's my question. If we're going to give credence to what these experts are saying, who controls the banking function in the lives of those same said experts? Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents channel. My name is Jesse Durham. In this episode, we're going to have a discussion about infinite banking and going against the experts. Now, I'm going to share my perspective. You can let me know in the comments what you may have heard. Here's how I see and have heard and have experienced the conventional wisdom from the experts. I was told, go to school, get good grades, further your education, college, university, step into a career. Somehow you're going to end up being successful there. And there might have been some variation on, well, pay cash for everything or, or use debt. There's some variation there. Okay. But regardless, it was, we'll go out and get cars, go out and get a home or rent, put a, away a nest egg from the get-go, pay into qualified plans, your 401ks, your IRAs, or those kinds of uh, retirement programs and contribute, of course, and it may have been involuntary, but contribute uh, to a company organized or perhaps a state organized or a county organized retirement program as well. So you might not have had a say in that, but again, it just played into the idea of building up a nest egg, saving for retirement years. And that was the conventional wisdom that I heard growing up and experienced for myself. I, I, I bought the 401ks, paid into the 401ks, had state retirements, financed cars both ways, paid cash for some, financed others. We bought ourselves a home and property, started having children. My wife and I both pursued our careers that we actually did go to college for, which may have been a rarity. I know that's not everyone's experience for sure. And to this day, I'm not necessarily using those skills that I picked up in my college years, although sometimes I do. I, I, I'm fluent in Spanish. I may be a little bit rusty, but that is a skill and ability that I retain at whatever level I, I maintain it at, of course. But that was my experience. Now, the experts along the way have also said things like, well, the market always goes up. You can get 12% in the market. So that's why you should be investing in these qualified plans. And you need to get out of debt as soon as possible. That's certainly something else uh, that I've heard. And I'm not saying that that's bad advice. It should be very obvious that the borrower is servant to the lender. No question there. We were also told to pay down the house as quickly as possible, set aside in, again, qualified programs for children's college funds when that was appropriate, buy term and invest the difference, of course, is a big message that's put out there by the experts. Because again, the market always goes up if you're in it for the long haul. The only time someone gets hurt is on a roller coaster is when they jump off. All these, all these things about the qualified plans. Some would say use debt to get ahead. So regardless of where we're at on the use debt approach versus the 
pay cash for everything approach. What I would like to point out here before we move along much further is that there is one vital subject that the experts are overlooking regardless of which camp they're in. Whether they're saying OPM, leverage everything, use other people's money, use debt. And I'm not saying to or not to. Here I'm going to promote the idea that you can become your own banker, that you should be in control of your financial well-being and future. And then there are those that say, well, pay cash for everything. The vital subject that's being overlooked from both of these camps is who controls the banking function in our households. If you're running a business, who controls the banking function in your business? If you're an investor and you're making investments, who controls the banking function in you procuring or liquidating or amassing those investments? Who controls the banking function in your life? And Nash covers that in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, when he's talking about the average All-American who's spending 34.5 cents of every dollar on interest alone for our automobiles, for our housing, all these areas of our lives, we're spending 34.5% in interest. Because remember, everything is financed one way or another. Either we are borrowing someone else's money on their terms and conditions, and we're paying them interest to be able to do so. Or we're amassing money somewhere for the things that we're going to do. And we forfeit the opportunity to earn interest on our money. There is a cost to capital. There is economic value added, or at least there can be. And if we're paying cash for everything and we're storing that capital or amassing that capital somewhere where it's being lazy and inefficient and it's not earning us compound interest, for one example, or perhaps we're putting it somewhere that we are limited on our access to it. So in both of those situations, there's interest involved. Nash points out that if we could account for our need of finance, and if we became our own bankers, then we could be amassing capital somewhere that we own and control, i.e., a properly structured whole life policy with a mutual company. So policies that we privately own over the course of our lifetime, we build a system of policies to eventually be able to account for our entire income. And that system of policies is where we would amass our capital, amass our money because wealth must reside somewhere. And then from there, we could deploy that capital for the things that we're going to do, the vehicles that we're going to buy, the homes that we're going to live in, the business equipment that we're going to buy, the vacations that we take, whatever it is that we're going to use our money for anyway, by adding that step, taking the initiative, not abdicating by following what the experts are saying, not abdicate because they're completely overlooking the banking function, not abdicating that to the conventional banks, but rather accounting for our need of finance proactively ourselves. And then building out a system of properly structured whole life policies with mutual companies that we control and own, where we can amass that capital, deploy that capital, and then recapture that principal, interest, profits, all of that be capital that comes back into our system. And then we grow and we scale that. And 
the experts are completely overlooking that. There's such a focus on, well, you could get a better rate of return with this. You could get a better rate of return with that. Now, I'm not trying to make necessarily a case for, and I'm not giving investment advice. What I'm saying is, is whatever it is that you are doing, whether it is investing, whether it's running your household or running your business, whatever it is that you're doing, we have a need of finance. And when we account for that ourselves, we've moved beyond talking about what the market is or is not doing because the market's going to do what the market's going to do. I can't control that. You can't control that. But we can control the banking function. Now, speaking of control, that brings me to think of and reflect on what Nash would talk about when he would mention the airplane. While the experts are trying to focus on how can we improve this airplane and get it to where it's another degree or two or five or however many better, the airplane. Well, Nash points out that no airplane flies through a vacuum. So while focus, there's nothing wrong with looking at an airplane and improving an airplane. And this is just an analogy, right? For there's nothing wrong with looking at what we're doing and how we can improve it. But how we are doing that is a, a small part of what is completely around us, which is the environment. Nash said, if we would focus on the environment in which we are doing whatever it is that we are doing, and we can control that, well, that would be the difference, again, going back to the airplane, between your plane facing a headwind, maybe a devastating, crippling, again, going back to how much interest is being paid out by the average American, I would say one out of every $3 being interest is, is crippling. Well, we we could be talking about a, a headwind. We could be talking about a stalemate, meaning it, what if there were no wind in the environment? What if we could get rid of the, the headwind? But then, of course, when we arrive at the thought that, well, what if we had a tailwind that was just going to, I mean, when you add a tailwind that would just blow you by the competition. I mean, if one airplane's flying in a headwind and another's flying in a tailwind and all things else are equal, it doesn't take, you know, anything extreme beyond elementary mathematics to figure out that this one's going to be blowing by the other one that's facing the headwind. The one with the tailwind is just going to be blowing by the other. So looking at the environment, looking at, how it is that we account for the banking function in our lives is looking at the environment around our airplane. So if you want to invest, invest. If you're running a business, run a business and do those things to the best of your ability. Households, again, everything's financed. The cars that are parked in your driveway, financed one way or the other. Either you borrowed money on somebody else's terms and conditions. And I've done this. I'm not pointing fingers. I've, I've paid cash for vehicles and I've uh, conventionally financed vehicles before. But the cars that are parked out in your driveway, they're financed. The appliances in your kitchen, they're financed. The last vacation you took or the one that you're planning now, because that seems to be the trend when we go on one vacation and we want to go on another, it's financed. Either we're paying interest to use someone else's money or we're setting aside the money in anticipation of taking that vacation. And the whole time that we're amassing that, perhaps we're assuming some risk 
and certainly those dollars are being lazy. We could be earning compound interest. And to quote Einstein, if you've not heard me say this quote, I try to use it often. Einstein said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. So it just exists. But when we can acknowledge that, and furthermore, when we can harness that, and we can account for that environment, well, that's a complete subject that's outside the realm of what the experts are saying, unless we're talking about R. Nelson Nash in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, or his second book, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth. Now, here I'd like to point out that the experts do touch on some things that are helpful. I'm not trying to take credit from someone else who is inspiring many people to do better for themselves. That's great. I love it. But I am here to shed a particular light. I am here to spread a particular message, the message that you can become your own banker. Promote the idea that you can account for the banking function in your own life. And the human problems that we confront sometimes do get mentioned by the experts. It may be in a derisive way. It may be in a fun-making way. Regardless, I would like to wholesomely point out that Nash talks about some vital human problems that we confront. First would be Parkinson's Law. Parkinson's Law says, for one, we tend to spend in relation to how we earn. So if our income were to go up, let's say, our spending would tend to go up also. That's just a natural human tendency that we've all noticed. Maybe we've confronted it. Maybe we have not. But it's a law. It just is. And when considering in this life that we're in a play, like if I could use another analogy again, and it's one that I'm taking from Nash, he said that it's good to know who the characters are in the play. Well, the characters in our play are Money, which is just a means of exchange. Commercial banks, they exist. The banking function exists. Whole life insurance companies that have been around for a very, very long time. Paying dividends for a very, very long time. And you. Well, the you part leads to these human problems that we're talking about, like Parkinson's Law. And I've already mentioned the plot. The plot in this play is that the average American dun, 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 is paying out and bleeding out, in fact, volumes and volumes of interest dollars. And again, my theme, the theme of this play is that you can become your own banker. So here are the characters. This is the plot. This is the theme. Parkinson's law must be addressed. It must be addressed. Another is Willie Sutton's law. Willie Sutton's law. Willie Sutton was a famous bank robber, infamous bank robber, perhaps I should say. Uh, and he kept robbing banks and kept robbing banks. And one time he was he was asked after being arrested and put in jail and whatnot, why do you keep robbing banks? And he said, because that's where they keep the money. So whether illegally or legally, and Nash talks about taxation and it's a uh, it's a it's a worthy read. Again, it's a worthy read. I can't stress it enough. I don't know how much originality is going to be in much of what I do because that's right from Nash's book. 
Willie Sutton's Law, whether illegally or legally, folks would like to deprive you of your money, of your capital, okay? It's just something that we have to confront. Jesus Christ was confronted by it. He had to end up saying, render under Caesar that which is Caesar's. Another would be the golden rule. The golden rule is, he who has the gold makes the rules. It's that simple. When we are, there's no reason why we would not want to be in a strong financial position. There's no business that would like to be undercapitalized. In fact, a business would perhaps not continue to be a business when it did not have access to enough capital. So, he who has the gold makes the rules. The golden rule. And that brings us to another of Nash's principles, which is just simply, you can't be afraid to capitalize. And I'll, I'll perhaps have to leave it at that. But once you get past Parkinson's law, and you can discipline yourself to do things well financially, we come to the golden rule where we see that by proactively amassing capital for opportunity, and in fact, Nash would say that when, when there is capital warehouse somewhere, that opportunity will seek it out. Opportunity will hunt it down. Opportunity will present itself to that capital. So when you're well capitalized, it seems like the opportunities are more visible and present. And then he talks about using it or losing it. And again, that goes back to everything is finance. Either we pay interest or we forfeit the opportunity to earn interest. So we're either going to use that or going to lose it. Again, remember Einstein. He who understands compound interest earns it. He who doesn't pays it. And the arrival syndrome. The idea that, well, I know that. The the knee-jerk reaction to hear information and then come to come to presupposed ideas or conceptions about whatever that information is. Oh, I know that. All I can say is that I could honestly say there have been times in my life where I would have been close-minded to new information. I feel like I would have. Being where I'm at now, and I'm sure it'll be even more so in the future, but being where I'm at now open to learning, having quality conversations, reading great books, listening to great information, seeking to expand my thinking to be a perpetual student, I can reflect back to times where I feel like I was probably not that open. So, again, it's just another one of those natural laws that as humans we have to confront. The arrival syndrome, thinking that we know it all, we've done it all, that we've arrived. I've decided I'm never going to arrive until I do arrive, (laughs) but that's going to be at graduation anyway. And then law of motion. That's a big one. The experts, the experts want to say, and again, go get these if you want to get these. I'm not making investment advice, but the investors excuse me, the experts are going to say that you should invest into these 401ks, IRAs, 503b, all these different things, these numbers and these acronyms, these qualified plans that government has its hand in. And then they 
set the terms and conditions and maybe they want to set up exceptions to these implications that they've established. So they'll say, set it and forget it. Park your money here so that it can compound, so that you can earn compound interest. So they're mentioning compound interest. And at face value, it seems a good idea. Well, park your money here. That way it can build on itself and build on itself and build on itself. But when we actually look past that and ask ourselves, well, what does happen there? See, if I go to a commercial bank, for example, follow me this in recognizing another natural law here. It's the law of motion. I couldn't write my name on a dollar bill and present that at the bank and then come back the next day and get that same dollar bill. Not going to happen. I couldn't come back in the same hour and get that dollar bill. It's going to be gone. It's going to be moving. See, commercial banks view deposits as liabilities. They have to do something with that. So that goes in motion immediately. I was talking with someone just this past week that went to get $10,000 from a big bank. Big bank. Big bank. $10,000 from a local branch had to wait a day because they didn't have it on hand. $10,000. The commercial bank didn't have it on hand. That's interesting. Why is that? Why is that? So the natural law of motion also applies. The experts are telling us, park your money here, but they're not actually practicing that themselves. They're not parking money. They're not setting it somewhere and forgetting it. It is in motion, just like... Our, our world has a water system that's in motion that Nash talks about. Clouds, oceans, seas, rivers, brooks, lakes, ponds, etc. Even water that passes through our bodies. We drink water. We subsist on water. Must have it. And it must move or it's dead. If there's a, if there's a pool of water with no entry, no exit, it becomes stagnant. And things don't live there. Motion is a natural law. And that's one that's ignored by the experts that are saying, park your money here, set it, and forget it. That's not what's happening. Now, one question that I would certainly like to ask any expert, and, and it's not to be disparaging, but rather to be genuine in wanting to know someone's experience. If someone has a message, I mean, we even have sayings for stuff like this, right? Folks who um, don't practice what they preach. We have a name for people like that. It's hypocrite. Okay, so if someone is promoting a particular idea, I certainly certainly want to know that they are indeed practicing that idea uh, themselves. If not, then I mean, isn't that <laughs> Zig Ziglar would talk about? If you got a if you got a if you got a fat doctor that's telling you to lose weight, well, you need to get a new doctor. I shouldn't worry about people getting offended about that. Here we are. Here we are. But we certainly want to know that folks are practicing what they preach. Otherwise, we would call that person a hypocrite. And being a licensed professional myself, I can attest to the fact that 
with some basic study and the ability to read and setting aside a weekend to go take a test, you can get certified or licensed or what have you in a state to do expert work. Okay, So I'm not trying to disparage folks for pursuing whatever they want to pursue and hanging that piece of paper on the wall. But what I am saying is that not all experts are equal. Not all professionals are equal. Certainly, we should start with individuals that practice what they preach. So when I say that I promote the idea that you can become your own banker, just know that I and my wife, we have procured multiple policies from multiple companies. These are dividend-paying whole-life policies with mutual companies that we've amassed over the past seven years as we've been building out a system of policies to account for our need of finance in our household, in our business, in our investing, the things that we choose to do. We've been doing that as consumers ourselves. This is something that while I had other careers, because I've, I've not always been a licensed agent, I've not always been writing insurance business for friends and friends of friends and clients and folks that, that we meet and know and that get into contact with us to be able to implement this idea themselves. I did not always do that. You know, much like Nash, I suppose I had some other careers before arriving at professionally being in the insurance industry. I was a Spanish teacher uh, for a high school. I was a deputy sheriff for a sheriff's office. I've done other things, built a direct selling business. I've done other things before. And yet I practiced and implemented this infinite banking concept idea as a consumer because we were taking vacations, we were buying vehicles, we we're having children, wanting to be able to do things to better our standing in the future and theirs. And we knew that piece by piece, consistently, we could build out over the course of our lifetime that system of policies, that privatized banking system that Nash talked about in his book, and we've we've done that. And we certainly got to the point where we wanted to be able to professionally help other people do the exact same thing. So knowing that your expert, your professional, actually practices, you know, what they're preaching, you know, we... From the get-go, we began paying significant, what was significant for us, significant premiums into our very first policy. And then we just added to that over the course of the years. And here, let me say, there was a time when I had seen this idea for the first time, this, this becoming your own banker idea, that I wondered, well, how does that guy at the front of the room get paid? How's he compensated? I mean, he didn't fly because I heard it from someone who flew from one state to another to be able to come and make a live presentation in front of a group. I know that this is, you know, this is just one aspect of how I promote the idea of folks becoming their own banker as well. I, I, I do Zoom calls and I do group presentations and such. And there was a gentleman that had flown from one state to another and I drove an hour to be able to get to that meeting. And I did eventually get, after being wild about the opportunity that was there for me to become my own banker, I did wonder, well, how's 
how is he compensated? And here I would like to point out that my belief is that the laborer is worthy of his hire. And I want my professionals to be well compensated, well capitalized themselves. Because if I'm choosing to do business with them, if I'm choosing to privately contract with them, then I want to be able to do that again. And I want them to do well, and I want to do well. So I, I want to preface by, by saying that I'm a capitalist, and I like working with other capitalists. And what I tell you right now, what I tell folks is that I'm compensated by the insurance industry. Insurance companies compensate agents for their business. So when someone is getting a policy and they're deciding what premium they want to pay and what mode of payment they want to make, whether they want to make perhaps monthly payments or annual payments and whatever that happens to look like, we're properly structuring that policy for their intended purposes. We want you to have a policy that's structured for right now. Something that you can immediately implement if you choose to begin practicing this infinite banking concept immediately. My definition of immediately is within 30 days. 30 days from the time that a policy is enforced. But also it should be properly structured that you can use that policy over the course of your entire lifetime. So it requires a, a good conversation is I suppose what I'm trying to point out here. And knowing that We've had seven years at this point of buying and using these policies for the infinite banking concept. That's good. That's helpful if we can speed up your learning curve. And I do believe that the laborer is worthy of his hire. So the insurance companies that we choose to write with, they pay us. For the business that we write. So we get paid. We get compensated from the insurance companies directly. I don't mind talking about that. Again, I'm a capitalist. I want to do well. And I want you to do well. And I, I'm also a big believer in what Zig Ziglar said when he said that you can have everything that you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. And then there's another old saying that says, as you sow, so shall you reap. Furthermore, if you don't want your professionals to be profitable, I would argue that you are not thinking very long range like Nash encourages us to do, and probably that you're afraid to capitalize. But I digress. I've also found it to be the case that uh, many wealthy people do practice and promote the idea of having a financial team. It, you know, it there's a lot of benefit in having the appropriate Lawyers or CPAs or other professionals, you know, folks like Kiyosaki talk about this a lot. Robert Kiyosaki talk about having the appropriate financial team on your side to be sure. And again, not all professionals are created equal. Not all experts, quote unquote experts, are uh, created equal either. So make sure you know what the actual experience of your professional, of your expert is. What are they doing themselves? Not just what are they throwing out there for good ideas for you, but what is that person doing themselves? See, I practiced this idea of becoming a mom banker for years. Years. 
before becoming a professional licensed agent. And I exclusively write business for those who want to become their own banker. I exclusively write policies with mutual companies, whole life policies with mutual companies that pay dividends solely for the purpose of individuals that want to practice the infinite banking concept. Because that's what I wanted to do as a consumer. And I, I, for those that are doing other things in the insurance industry, fantastic, fantastic. What I chose to do was to narrow down to what it was that I was practicing myself. Because I, like Nash, I have adopted and I believe, and I'm finding it to be true, practically I'm finding it to be true, that when you will account for your need of finance and you follow this concept of infinite banking, and you implement it, it's the most profitable thing that you could choose to do over your lifetime. Because you're going to do the other things that you're doing. Again, running your household, pursuing your career, making investments. If you're making investments, running a business, if you run a business, and if you account for your need of finance in that thing or those things, if you're doing more than one, then that's the most profitable thing that you could choose to do. So is my expert practicing what they're preaching? It's a good question. It's a good thing to know. And there are so many subjects that we could cover in considering what the experts are saying because there's there are plenty of folks out there. There's no shortage of folks that will talk about, and I don't mean that disparagingly. I'm, I'm here talking about the same subjects, right? Like debt, retirement, business, investments. I'm not making investment advice, but we can have a conversation. Investments college, all these different areas, all these different subjects that that we do and that we're going to continue doing. And again, there might be different camps of leverage, other people's money, debt. And over here you have cash is king, the borrower's servant to the lender. Regardless of those camps, Again, something that main that that maintains a necessary consideration for us is who controls the banking function. So when considering debt, well, let's consider debt. Is is it better to be out of debt than in debt? Maybe. So again, some would say that it's better to be in debt than 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 not because of the advantages that they promote there. Here, I'm saying who controls the banking function of your cash if you're doing cash is king. Or of your debt. Who controls that? I promote the idea that it could be you. Retirement. There are lots of different views on retirement. College. Business. The bottom line is, who controls the banking function in your life? Who controls the banking function in the experts' lives? Regardless of your feelings of on debt, on retirement, on college, because there are going to be plenty of folks that say yes and, and plenty of folks that say no on both of those. And there may be valid reasons here and there. That's for you to decide what is going to be a permanent issue is the banking function. Everything's financed. Retirements are financed one way or another. Debt is financed one way or another. Vacations or retire or, or uh, business equipment or medications or 
house renovations or debt consolidations. All the shuns. Lots of shuns. <laughs> All of the shuns. It's necessary that we remember that airplane. Some are going to say, get this kind of airplane. Some are going to say, get that kind of airplane. Okay. But the environment affects all of those planes. So who controls the banking function in your life? If you'd like to have a conversation about how you could implement the infinite banking concept into your household and your business and your investing, then you can reach me at 828-817-4223 or you can email durhamtalents at gmail.com. This has been a great pleasure for me. I look forward to our next conversation. Have a great day. Take care. Remember that when people say to do one thing and yet practice another themselves, we have a word for such individuals. Hypocrite. It's a good day to talk about money. That's going to sound funny. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That you can become your own banker. Hey, Jax. Hush. That was my alarm system going off. German Shepherd dog howling at something. Yeah, I heard that. He's over there. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>